You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're actually going to be uh, cross-posting a podcast that I recorded with Jason Larkins on the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. So you may have already listened to this on his podcast, and if you have... I apologize. I'm going to talk a little bit before the podcast like he did with his um, because we recorded this uh, almost a month ago when the pretty close to when the Rockstar allegations first came out. And um, so more has come out, more has developed. And I want to touch base and just give you a few thoughts on that before I put in our episode together. Um, Before I do that, though, Please share this podcast with other business owners who may get something out of it, other gym owners who could learn to grow their business and get something out of all the amazing content we're providing here. Uh, also, like this podcast, leave us a review. It helps with uh, the the rankings uh, and uh, algorithms for sharing. Um, and if you haven't gone to NG Cheer and Gymnastics Owners uh, on Facebook and or NextGenOwners.com, make sure you check out our website and join our Facebook group if you are a gym owner. So as I mentioned, this is an episode I filmed with Jason Larkins uh, or recorded with Jason Larkins about three or four weeks ago, and we sat down to discuss athlete safety. And since then, a lot has come out, a lot has come up, and I've had the opportunity to be a part of a couple other podcasts. Yesterday, I had the part uh, the opportunity to be a part of a roundtable uh, with Jess and Adam Forte, uh, where we had about 45 other gym owners and coaches on um, talking about how we could improve athlete safety and things that we needed to see within the industry. And uh, we actually left that um, and I started working on kind of a, a gym owners and coaches agreement or pledge. I'm, I'm not sure the verbiage on it, but something that we all agree to to follow um, as a community. You know, we, we choose to do this because we know that athlete safety is so important. And uh, also a list of expectations, demands, however you want to put it, for event producers and any governing body, whatever that governing body ends up being, uh, what we expect them to do in regard to athlete safety and uh, what changes we would like to see made. Um, and some of the things being like, you know, when uh, when a coach is on the suspended and ineligible list, if that coach is then uh, coaching in a gym or coaching a team or interacting with kids, violating that suspension, then that gym also becomes ineligible to compete. Uh, so that would be a way to prevent coaches from continuing to coach like we saw. And like I've seen, you know, we locally many years ago had a coach who was suspended uh, for a similar transgression of, you know, drinking alcohol with minor athletes. And this coach was suspended and they and they were actually a gym owner as well. Um And they would attend, they coached their teams, they were still uh, a part of the gym every single day, uh, and they would attend competitions, and they would literally do everything with their team with the exception of go back in the warm-up room. And they would even go to the front of the stage and cheer on their teams, and they just wouldn't go backstage afterwards. And I remember it really bothered me at the time, and I had brought it up to some people, and they just said, well, look, all we can control is the warm-up room, otherwise it's a public space. And... 
I disagree with that. And so uh, this is one of those steps that we think is fairly logical, or I think is fairly logical. If you're suspended or you're ineligible, you cannot be involved in the sport. It doesn't just mean, well, you're suspended from going in the warm-up room. Um, so that's one of the things that we were talking about. Um, as further allegations have come out, as further information has come out, it has become apparent, uh, and we a lot of us knew this, that this was a widespread issue within the industry, that there is some, some underlying things going on that uh, have either been ignored or not stopped uh, and or not reported. And uh, I'm just going to soapbox for two seconds and say, uh, as a whole, I'm going to speak for the majority of the industry, uh, if you have been a victim um, we support you. Uh, we support you telling your story. Uh, we support you seeking um, whatever conclusion helps on your road to recovery for something that should never have happened to you in a sport that you should have been safe in, in a sport that we all love. Um, as Jason and I talk about it a little bit at the end of the interview, but you know our our industry is is reevaluating what are the right practices, and I don't think that's a bad thing to reevaluate. Um, it's it's not a bad thing to see where we can improve athlete safety. Uh, if you've listened to Jason's episode, I'm a little bit more on on the same page as him, uh, where I want to see infrastructure be built up and improved upon. Um, and I know there are some challenges uh, with that with with the current governing body with the USASF. Um, as well as with the new governing body. The USASF already has a lot of infrastructure built. Uh, the World All-Star Federation doesn't yet. Um, they are partnered with the AAU, which does have some infrastructure built there. So I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to be looking for very key things to occur for me to continue to put my trust in an organization. And right now... Um, well, basically, none of them have it. I don't really trust I, either organization uh, because the USASF, there's been a breach of that trust, and it needs to be rebuilt if that's going to happen. And the World All-Star Federation really hasn't done anything yet. So I don't have a reason to, I, to trust them. I'm open to trusting them. I just need to see a lot more from them before I'm going to buy what they're selling. Because right now, uh, they have the advantage of saying, well, we, you know, we're new, so we haven't, nothing bad has happened. Um, and I'm also a realist. I understand that just, just because we're going to implement all these expectations and these demands doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen again. Uh, it, it can, and it most likely it will. I mean, it, fact is it will. If it was never going to happen again, there wouldn't be uh, there wouldn't be police officers. There wouldn't be laws against this stuff because we wouldn't have to regulate it because it just doesn't happen. Um, so things will occur, but we again, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, we're that first line of defense as gym owners. And this episode is going to spend a lot of time talking about what you can do in your own gym to improve athlete safety, as well as what you should be talking to your parents about. Uh, in this time of change and upheaval and what is going on uh, within the cheerleading industry. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, make sure you are subscribed, and we will catch you on the next one. All right, guys, so we have a special little 
little uh, what do they call these things collaborations a little collab episode going on today so you know we got the let's talk cheer podcast and we have the man the myth the legend dan cotton of the oregon dream teams dan tell the people about your podcast real quick uh, absolutely. Well, my podcast is uh, called the Next Gen People and Profits Podcast, and we're really focused on the business side of things. Um, uh, while also owning ODT and running a camp company, I am lucky enough to be a part owner in a company that does consulting for gym owners. And our sole focus is helping gym owners run better gyms and deliver a better product for their clients, uh, gaining more loyalty from their clients, and being able to make a living in cheer which uh, ultimately will keep the better people in cheerleading if they're able to sustain their lives and sustain um, their families. And it's actually a value add for them. Uh, So that's really our focus is helping gym owners grow their gyms, impact more lives positively, and um, be able to make a profit and pay their staff well and pay themselves well and turn this industry we all love uh, into an actual career that benefits them. There we go. And real quick, um, I got to give a shout out to the Facebook page, the the group page, the next gen. What, what's the the Facebook? The next gen. Uh, it's is, uh, NG Cheer and Gymnastics Owners. There we go. So shout out to that. It's actually I talk about ASGA a lot on on the podcast, but it, honestly, I really like that Facebook group because it's so so much less drama it's actually like real questions you know like yep. hey how do we do this and do this so it's, it's significantly less drama so yeah. if you're looking for a really good facebook page especially if you're a gym owner that is one that i would uh, hop on for sure yeah we have one for coaches as well so we have uh, a cheer and gymnastics owners and then we have a uh, 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 next gen uh coaches page i believe it's next gen coaches or cheer coaches um all-star and cheer coaches, I believe. Uh, so that's a good page as well. And again, it's less drama on it. It's much more just kind of, you know, what are you, what are you struggling with as a coach and how can we help and, and working as a community to answer those questions. There we go. All right. So let's hop into this. Um, yesterday I called you. Um, actually, if if you don't mind, I'm going to tell a story. So please, (laughs) I used to work at Cal Baptist University and the one of the associate athletics directors, his name was Michael Scarano. He was the compliance officer. And so for those of you guys who don't know, compliance, at least for like an NCAA, you know, school, he just made there's lots of rules when it comes to recruiting athletes. There's certain times when you can text them or call them or email them or send letters to them. There's all these like very specific rules when it comes to recruiting athletes to your, to your school. Right. And so he made sure that we were all in like all the biggest fines that happen in NCAA are like these broken rules when it comes to compliance. And so, you know, impermissible benefits, like right. Giving kids cars and stuff like that. When you hear about that right. like on ESPN and stuff. So he always made sure like we were on top of the rule. Cause it's, it's a very long list of things. Anyway, anytime something would happen where someone broke a compliance rule, like nationwide, he would, we had staff meetings every other Tuesday. And so he'd mm-hmm. come in and go, Hey guys, um, USC, USC football coach just did this. Remember you guys aren't allowed to 
give a kid a Mercedes, you know, when they come here or whatever. Hey, guys. It's actually um, almost accurate to what was happening in that era at USC. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I just saw a post of Reggie Bush that made me think of it, right? Yeah. So, but he he would do that all the time and just go, hey, you know, this is going on. Like, you know, the the golf team at Florida just Mm -hmm. did this. You're not supposed to do that. Like, make sure you're not doing it. And he would just always, it was constant reminder of any time someone broke a compliance rule, especially if they made national rule or national news, he would remind us. So then I thought that was great. And I started doing it with our staff. Anytime there was some, you know, some big news I thought could be a good learning lesson for our staff. I go, hey guys, this happened. We need to make sure that we're not doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, this yeah. just happened in the industry. Make sure you're not doing this. Make sure you're not doing this. Anyway, long story, even longer. I read, I can't remember what page I saw it on, but one of the Facebook pages I saw, hey, you should you should be telling this to your parents, right? And I never thought about bringing this type of news to our parents. So obviously there's been some, some allegations in the industry and it's probably the biggest allegations we've heard of at least in a while. It's definitely the, the talk of the town right now. And so I, I think was like, it's yeah, the biggest ever. Yeah, ever. There we go, yeah. So- I was like, yeah, this is something that, you know, I do it with our staff and maybe it's time for me to do it with our parents as well. And so I'm getting to that part of the email. I'm actually thinking about doing a video, but I get to that part of the email and I'm like, I should call Dan because I feel like Dan would have the right words to say. And so here we are making it for everyone. And so, yeah, what's up, Dan? Yeah. So, I mean... (laughs) You, it may have been one of my posts that you saw saying you should talk to your parents about these things. Uh, I'm a big uh, parent education fan. I believe that you can um, alleviate a lot of the struggles that owners have by just communicating more with parents and making sure they understand what's going on because they're thinking about it. So you can either educate them or you can have them continuing to not know what's going on. And um, I know a lot of owners or, and coaches are like, I don't want the, the parents to know because then they're going to ask me more questions. Well, I would rather someone ask me an informed question than ask that, you know, that annoying question of, you know, that video of when is Susie going to get her back handspring? Um, or I think it, the, the old, old video was when is she going to get her TikTok? Uh, I don't know if you remember that cartoon that someone put together. Oh, it's very funny. Um, but it was, you know, it's a, yeah, like the cartoon. Yeah. It's the two cartoons talking to each other. Yes. Yes. It was like years ago. Yeah. Yeah, It was like a decade. Yeah. Um, but if, when, when you have well-informed parents, you can have well-informed discussions and it also eliminates a lot of the questions. So we do, I mean, we do parent education on tumbling technique. We do parent education on, choreography and the score sheet. And, uh, you actually, you had a mom on your podcast. I can't remember her name, but she was very well informed about mm-hmm. cheer. She knew the score sheet and she, I think got eventually certified as a judge cause she just got curious about it. Um, from what I remember of the podcast, I was listening to it when I was at camp and, um, she was really well informed and that's a value add for your program. So this is another one of those things when something big like this is happening, I think it's important to talk to your families about it and educate them on what's going on and what you do in your facility to keep their athletes safe. Yeah. So what exactly, I know you just said, but let's, let's unpack it. 
Um, and real quick, Dan, although this is on both of our platforms, this is second. You're the first. You're the first time. This is the first time we've had a repeat guest on the show. So, Dan, you're one of our most popular episodes. I tell you that all Winning. the time. And, and now you're back. So and now I'm on your podcast. Shout out to all the next gen people. And, and, and your your uh, episode is actually one of our most popular episodes. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Maybe uh, the world is saying we need to do a collab or something like that yeah. more often. Um, so, yeah. And for those that haven't listened to the other episode, uh, my, my background is I've been in law enforcement for the last 15 years. Uh, I spent uh, a number of years working directly in the schools where a lot of my efforts were dedicated to uh, social media investigations um, and stopping situations where uh, children were being victimized, uh, whether it be online or by coaches or relatives or, or someone who was committing crimes against children. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, schools, that's like a fun and chill job. And I kind of thought it was going to be at first, uh, you know, go out at lunch, hang out, talk to the kids, make some relationships. And very quickly, I was my eyes were opened to sadly all the bad things that go on uh, in our world and how often children are are victims of crimes. Now, no one like burn down the house and and lock their kids inside and do any of that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But there are there are bad things that occur and we want to protect our, our athletes and our children uh, from those as best we possibly can. So that's my background. Um, you said to unpack it, uh, what we were talking about. So I'm assuming you want to go into some more detail of like, what are some of the things we should be talking about? Uh, yeah, that I do. think we'd start there. Let's start there. What, what's the, I think first, what should gym owners be addressing with their parents? Yeah, well, so my my actual first step recommendation would be, if you're a gym owner, head over to our Facebook page. We actually put out a completely free, like you can grab it, uh, risk assessment form to look at what your what you have going in your facility and where you're potentially exposed to risk, and so. I actually, I, I have that. So we can go through some of the, our suggestions and recommendations. And the number one, which I think will lead to some discussion, uh, is all practices are open and visible. Mm -hmm. Parents should be able to watch the, and see their child at all times. And it's even better if they can actually hear what's going on. Um, and do you do that? That's like a checkbox. Um, and that would be something I would mention for safety. Our practices are open and visible. We don't do any instruction without multiple adults in the gym, you know, and parents being able to watch if they want to. And obviously they don't have to. We ask, mm -hmm. actually asked this question, uh, made up a little blog post about it. And it was surprising how many people commented that they would not allow parents to yeah. watch. And I was on that post. I saw mm -hmm. the post, I commented on it and, you know, and you had a unique perspective. Once upon once upon a time, you know, I was like, yo, we should, every practice should be closed, you know? And as I've just gotten older, I'm like, why are we closing? Like, why are we really closing practices? And, you know, impaired, you know, and I saw a lot on that post say, well, the kids get distracted and I get it. And I, and I see it all the time. Kids look in the lobby and looking uh, to their parents for approval, but their parents are going to be there at competitions, you know? Um, yep. And I just, it just started rubbing me the wrong way that we were telling parents, as a whole, right? The whole, all parents, you can't watch your kid, you know? And 
you know, so I've lightened up a lot on closed practices. Um, and, you know, and we've still closed practices when you know, sometimes there's chatter in the lobby, like a lot of sure. chatter in the lobby. And we go, hey, you know, we're, we're going to shut down this specific practice. But I think as a general rule, I don't think the general rule should be that you have a closed practice. Like why, why let that situation? I, I know it just, it, as I've gotten older, it just doesn't make sense to me that you would as, permanently close all your practices. As a parent, I can't imagine dropping my kids off with a group of adults and being told you can't know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Right. We'll tell you what you need to know. That yeah. does not make me comfortable as a parent. Um, I want to, I, not that I need to be there to watch everything, but to know that you're like, no, yeah, come on in, come, come watch. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Anything that I do or say as a coach, I should be willing to do or say in front of the parents. Yeah. Now I know one of the, the big, um, big things people talk about is kids get distracted, uh, which your point very valid, like, right? Like parents are going to be at competitions and they need to learn how to deal with distraction anyways. And that's a conversation to have. Hey, parent, stop coaching your kid through the window or from mm -hmm. the, the upper level or whatever. Um, but you know, additionally, um, there is the, the like, well, they're going to ask questions when I move kids around and when I, when I change a formation or why did so-and-so not fly, um, is another argument. Okay. Well, again, that goes back to parent education and having those discussions ahead of time or that evening. Cause like, you know, as a coach, if you pull Susie out of the air and replace her spot, you're getting a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Right. Whether the parents there to watch it or they're not, there's going to be questions almost 100 percent of the time. So if they're there and they are watching practices and seeing them not do well, then you're like, you can have that discussion. Hey, look, they were you watched. They were dropping 75 mm -hmm. percent of the time. I I am trying to do them a favor so their teammates don't hate them at competition when they don't hit the stunt. And they get a deduction. They don't they aren't yeah. successful. And, and we you don't actually get the kids' version of the story getting back exactly, to the parents, right? We actually, I've experienced both sides because during COVID, we had to close our lobby. We had to be very restrictive, and so we did not have our lobby open. I had more parent conversations during our year of closed practices due to COVID restrictions than I have had in the years that I've had them open, mm -hmm. and it and the parents were delusional. I had one that was like, I can't believe you, you took this stunt away from her. It was a level four athlete. Great kid, great mom. She always asks a lot of questions though. Um, she's just one of those people you kind of are prepared for to come out hot and then you got to work your way through it. But she was super frustrated and she was like, she's hitting all her stunts. She's doing all this stuff. And like daughter is literally on the phone, like in the background. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what you don't understand is that the sequence she's doing right now is level two. Like it's mm -hmm. all watered down. And when we try to upgrade it, even when I put a male coach underneath her, that male mm -hmm. coach can't hit the stunt with her. And she was like, what? She's, you know, turns around. She's like, you can't hit it with a man underneath you. Yeah. And she was like, <laughs> uh, and she goes, you've been telling me you've been hitting it every time. And she's like, yeah. well, I was like, well, she has, she's been hitting the level two sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if she had been at practices, that conversation would have been totally different. For sure. So 
I, I just think those things are, and again, this is a safety checklist, not a, is your life easier checklist? Because True. yes, parent conversations are annoying. Those things are annoying. You know, what's worse, an allegation of physical or sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. So that's what this risk assessment is about is, yeah. is preventing those things. Uh, the second one is all staff undergo background checks and it should mm -hmm. be uh, anyone who interacts with your kids, anyone who's in your facility as a staff member should have undergone a background check and they should undergo a background check annually. Yeah. And that's a, that's something that a lot of owners kind of neglect because they do cost money, but mm -hmm. things change in a year and uh, it is possible that someone you hired five years ago maybe got in trouble and didn't tell you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Annual this background. Is, this checks. is just to our um, American families for our American listeners, which I'm assuming I will tell you later, but I'm going to tell you right now. So this might be the first or second time hearing this, but we are getting new background checks done at American. And I just talked to our HR. We have an HR department and okay. I was talking to her. And so, hey, Jason, just want to let you know we're getting – we need background checks. And I was like, does the – check and they need to be done by this company. Like we're not accepting the USASF ones. And it wasn't – and she didn't say we're not accepting USASF. We're just like, it, it doesn't matter where your other background checks came from. We're now doing it through, you know, this specific company and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so our USASF ones don't count anymore? She's like, no, you guys can't use those. Because we used to just like, hey, we already got background checked through this company. Like my yep. staff doesn't need to get, you know. Anyway, yep. so we're getting new background checks that will be, you know, we'll be getting those done here shortly just for all of our American cheer families. And and background checks are great, but they are they are not the be all end all. Um, from From someone who's worked in criminal enforcement, you deal with people all the time who have no criminal history who have now committed significant crimes. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> a background check does not mean that someone is, is never going like that they're safe and they're perfect and everything's good. It means mm -hmm. they haven't committed any crimes yet that they've been arrested for. Right. Like, yeah. And a lot of times it's not even just arrested, it's convicted. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it really depends on what background check you run. And the reality is, is that background checks are semi-flawed. Um, a lot of people be, are mistaken in that they think it's like when they watch um, CSI or any of those shows where there's like some awesome database that some mm -hmm. super cool witty nerd can like type on a computer and pull up everything about you. Those things don't exist. Mm -hmm. Our systems don't talk to each other very well. Um, there are a few like universal um, systems uh, in terms of like criminal databases and they, mm -hmm. they track very specific things. So a lot of stuff can get missed and uh, there are, yeah. there are municipalities and cities and things that don't report to them. So things could get missed and other countries might have information. Maybe someone got arrested in Canada or, or Mexico or something like that. And, that information doesn't get to the US databases. So they're not a be all end all. They're just, they are an important step to have in place because they absolutely do help. There we go. All right. So what should we, um, 
All right, let's keep going down. You want to keep going down the risk assessment? Yeah, 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 yeah. You should have a three-person concept that requires two adults in your gym at all times. Mm -hmm. And that's just a really simple one. And ideally, I know this is going to sound annoying, and I actually, reading through it, I was like, actually, I don't have that in my policy. The two people should not be related or married. Mm -hmm. So you should have a, uh, a system in place that doesn't allow for coaches to be alone in the gym, uh, with another athlete, they need to have another adult and that other adult should not be like a brother, sister, cousin, or husband or wife, because the, the argument is who are you going to make sure you take care of as, as a husband? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have your wife's back, right? For sure. And, and vice versa. Now you and I both sit there and go, yeah, but that would, nothing would ever happen. So it's like, and I did the same thing. There are times where me and Tori are alone in the gym with an athlete, you know, waiting for mom and dad to come pick him up. And I've never thought about that being even a slight risk factor. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, hmm, that's actually valid. And this current situation, there are yeah. allegations that the spouse knew at least um, tacitly what was going on. Mm-hmm. So that would be so, another one. And that is just... It's two adults when two unrelated adults when there's just one athlete there, right? Uh, yes, yeah. So now this they we kind of recommend two adults in general. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not feasible, right? Like there are times where I'm coaching my team and my co-coach isn't there, but there's 28 kids mm-hmm. and two parents in the lobby. So yeah, we also have done it where. You know, private lessons, there should be two adults or like two two staff members or there's at least like the the parent needs to stay and watch the lesson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Because generally if it's coach, athlete, and parent, if the parent is there, it's pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. So we walk on down. Yeah. Uh, next, next, next one. Staff should have social media guidelines and understand the repercussions of those, uh, those actions. Um, and we kind of go into more detail that your staff should have a written policy, uh, and understand they are not to like DM athletes on social media. Uh, they shouldn't be, they, we talked about this on our last episode, but Snapchat is a hard no, Mm -hmm. like just no, they don't have it. Um, and, and they, if they have it, they don't have it with any athletes at all. I realize that your younger coaches are like, yeah, but now I can track them when they're not at practice. I can pull up their (laughs) map and I can see that they're at the mall and not here. Um, anything that is designed to go away and delete, um, is just bad news. And it, it opens you up for allegations too. I tell my staff this all the time. I go, you know, yeah, you haven't done anything wrong, but they can say you like, yeah, you sent them a picture of your foot. Mm-hmm. While you were sitting at the gym, you know, with people in the background, they can say that photo was an inappropriate image. Yeah. Right. You just open the door for so many problems. So just don't, don't have it. And believe it or not, I don't have Snapchat and my life is no worse for the wear. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah. So, sure, um, you know, the social media one has been a long ongoing discussion in our industry. Um, 
they kind of came out with some initial rules way back about three years ago where they were like, you can't have, you can't follow athletes. You can't talk to athletes. They can't follow you like just hard stop, no interaction. Well, that's a little silly. Like I want to know what my athletes are doing on social media. So like Mm -hmm. the gym follows as many of them as I can on Instagram and those things, because I want to see what they're posting. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, and I have even just this year, I've made interventions. I've talked to kids. I've been like, Hey, you keep posting all these like pictures that aren't really representing you in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like what, even though you're not showing yourself doing anything bad, it insinuates when you post pictures at 2am of you and your friends out in a field, like looking all dazed and confused. Yeah. That, that leads people to go, Hmm, what are they doing? So there can be good stuff in just seeing their accounts, but coaches shouldn't be DMing kids and having private offline conversations on social media and those kind of things. No, I hear you. And just to bring it up, um, you know, I think I think coaches to protect yourselves draw hard lines in the sand, you know. And you know, the USASF said no, you know, don't follow them. And and I'm sure there are plenty of coaches that follow their athletes. But I, I didn't follow my athletes for a long, like way before USASF said, you know, that mm-hmm. that was, you know, a no-no. But, you know, this is very true. I just now started following, well, you know, Bailey. I just mm-hmm. now started following Bailey and one of our other coaches, Claire. Not sure if you've met Claire. Um, Bailey and Claire are both 22, 23 years old. Um, you know, they used to cheer for me, right? Yep. Years ago when they were younger, right? They graduated, they started coaching for us, never followed them on any social media. And we have a new coach who just moved to Bakersfield. And she was like, Jason, you don't follow me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't follow any of you guys. Like I followed Josh because me and Josh were friends before he started working here. Right. So I followed Josh. I followed my wife <laughs> and yeah, I don't follow you guys. Right. And so I just, for whatever reason, I like followed Bailey. It was like, okay, I'll follow Bailey. And then I was like, well, I guess I got to follow Claire now too. I can't follow one, not the other. But like, but again, they're 22 years, but there's got to be a, I think the coaches just need to say, Hey, there's a, we're drawing a line in the sand. I saw a post yesterday, um, about, um, who posted it? Becky Herrera posted it about, mm-hmm. um, or reposted it, someone else's post about she was, the, the mom was making her daughter walk to school because the, the daughter must've been bullying people or talking back to her or something. Right. Okay. And she's like, she's going to walk to school. I'm going to follow behind her, but she's walking to school till this, you know, girl becomes grateful. She's being ungrateful, unappreciative. And she wrote in there, I am not her friend. I am her mom, you know, and I'm here to, you know, set boundaries. I'm here to teach her how to be, you know, it was a long post, but just, yep. I'm not her friend. She'll be mad at me for a minute, but she'll get over it and she'll be fine. And she's going to be a better person because of, this not trying, you know, I don't need to be our athletes friends, you know, nope. um, I'm their and coach. Yeah, go ahead. That no, you're, I mean, what you're saying is so important, right? That hard line of I'm not your friend. Um, and people misinterpret that they go, I'm not your friend, which means I don't care about you. No, 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 no. <clears throat> I'm not your like, and really you're not my friend. Mm-hmm. I am your friend. Like I, mm-hmm. in terms of I'm here to support you. I'm here to care about you as an athlete, but like, you're not my friend. This is not a, yeah, like yeah. a two way street. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't like, I don't talk to you about my problems. 
Can you come yeah. to me and say, I'm having a horrible day. This thing happened and I'm going to give you advice as your mentor. Yes, absolutely. But draw those hard lines and have those standards. And like you said, my kids know that I like, I, if, if the gym follows them that like, that means we can see what they're posting, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't, and half the reason I follow them as the gym is then I, so I can tag them in things. Right. Mm-hmm. So then as the gym, we can be like, Hey, at so-and-so great job on this skill when we post yeah. it on our story, but have those hard lines. And one of those hard lines is just, we're not going to have side conversations. So don't DM me. Don't talk to me. Don't send me anything unless mm-hmm. it's, you know, a video that is art. Like you're sending me a video that's already on Instagram. Look at this stunt, right? Send mm-hmm. that to the gym. I'll watch it. Like there are, there are ways to interact appropriately, but it's, it is, it's a challenge. So just make sure there's a very hard line policy in place. Your staff knows it and they know what happens if they break it. Rules. What we're trying to do is create layered protections, right? Um, multiple layers where if these layers get, breached it triggers that what's going on and it triggers the opportunity to either intervene and or um fire the coach get rid of the coach before things go further mm-hmm. um i've said this in other podcasts i've done but like rules are great but they're only so great as they're enforced and they're followed mm-hmm. um because if rules just the existence of the rule is going to stop people from doing things, then there wouldn't be any physical or sexual abuse because there's already laws against it. Yeah. And those laws are way more significant that those punishments are way more significant than anything we're going to do as a cheer gym. Right. For sure. Which leads me to the next one. Your staff knows that you wouldn't be afraid to press charges. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you find something out that they've done that is illegal, you will report it to the police. Yeah. And you should have a policy in place that is a physical and sexual abuse policy, like an allegation. Um, and we have one that is like, if there is an allegation, you are immediately suspended, like with, with pay at first for us, right? If mm-hmm. it's just an allegation, the first step is you're suspended with pay and the police are immediately notified. Like just hard stop, end of discussion. And then we will also run either if it's, if the police don't take it, we will then run our own internal investigation and determine where to go from there. So you should have a policy in place for that, but they need to understand that you're not going to run interference for them. Yep. hundred percent. Unfortunately, that's what we kind of saw happening in this most recent Mm -hmm. situation uh, was people heard things, people knew things, and they just kind of swept it under the rug for better lack of a better yeah. term. Um, next would be have security cameras that cover your gym. Uh, you should have security cameras in place that record uh, everything that goes on in your facility. Um, athletes and parents understand boundaries with coaches. So you have policies for your coaches and for your parents and athletes that make, and you review it with your kids, like with the athletes. Hey, these are the boundaries. These are like, no coaches are not going to give you a ride to practice. Doesn't matter. They're not going to give you a ride. Uh, they're, you're not going to be going to a movie with your coach 
unless it's the whole team, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not, coaches are not going to be coming over to your house for parties. Uh, you're not going to be with your older teams. You're not going to be drinking with your coach. Mm-hmm. Um, which although that can happen with younger teams too, but that kind of is an implied, come on, we don't drink with our 15 year old mm-hmm. athletes. Yeah. Um, but you, you educate your, your families and your kids on why that's important. Um, you regularly provide education to parents about new apps and social media platforms, which was our first episode, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a hard one because as we get older and as I get more and more disconnected, like I don't work in the schools anymore, apps start popping up that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. And I used to know about them because I was in the schools. I was like in it. I'd see them all the time. Now I'm like, wait, you got what now? What's this mm-hmm. new thing? For the most part, though, they haven't changed too much. It used to be Wild Wild West where it was like a new app every other week that was coming yeah. out. And <laughs> and the kind of core ones are still there. It's still Instagram, Snapchat, um, now TikTok, which ugh, <laughs> awful. Uh, I don't have one of those either. Didn't have one. Um, you have one, yes. Right? F- follow me on TikTok. Jason C. Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. <laughs> stick, stick. Oh, you know, I'll go off on the tangent. You go. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I get it. Like TikTok can be cool. Uh, I'm not saying don't have it, but you should be educating your parents and making sure they understand how those apps work because yeah. um, it's getting a little bit better as we, as we get to a younger group of parents. But back when you and I first started coaching, you know, we were, we were using those apps ourselves as, you know, young adults, 19, 20 years old, mm-hmm. you know, we're using Facebook. I was, I mean, I was in college when Facebook first came out. Right. Yep. So we kind of came up with these apps. So we're a little more savvy to it, but the new stuff that the kids are using, we're not as savvy mm-hmm. to like yeah. the amount of parents that I talk to. And I go, you know, that on Snapchat, like people can track your kid. Right. And they're like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah, there's a map that tells us exactly where they are. And they're like, oh my gosh. Um, uh, I, I talked about it in our other episode. You know, it's a, uh, it, it's a shock when I do this presentation about social media with, with cheer kids. And I'm in a group of, you know, 120 girls. And I'm talking about social media. And I'm like, raise your hand if you've ever received an unsolicited picture of from a guy of their private parts yep. and like 75% of the room goes. Yeah. Crazy. Like it, it, they raise their hands and say, yeah, it, I've, I've gotten one and they just are like, yeah, it's just a part of the part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tell that to parents and their mouths hit the floor, like their jaws just drop. I'm like, this is what your, your daughters um, are, are facing these days. Mm -hmm. And if you don't talk to them and you don't tell them how to handle those things and how to like that, if that happens, you can tell me and I'm, you're not going to get in trouble with me and we're going to get through it. We'll block them. We'll do all those things, but you need to have those conversations. And, and I, and I'll say this, um, I'm not going to tell this whole story, but we do need to have those conversations with our athletes. Um, you know, I have two teams, the two the or the two senior teams we have, right? We have senior four, senior three. And a lot of those kids were on our younger teams, right? At one point, right? They're mm-hmm. on our junior one and our junior two and our youth three, right? 
And now, and I still look at them as those same little kids, right? Um, but the reality is, is that they're older now and they're getting, I remember just looking at them when I'm like trying to, you know, have a conversation with them. And I'm like, man, never would I have imagined when they were on junior two that these are the types of conversations I would have to have with them now that they're on senior teams, you know? And, you know, so, so that goes for coaches and parents. Like they're not those little, or at least if you have the older kids, right? They're not those same, we got to take off those lenses sometimes and go, Hey man, these kids are getting older and they're not those same little kids anymore who are just completely innocent, right? Yep. And as soon as you let them get on social media, as soon as you let them have a social media profile, you've now allowed a bajillion strangers into your house, mm-hmm. yep. right? And it, it doesn't really matter how old they are. Um, I have some of the worst cases I dealt with were kids in sixth and seventh grade mm-hmm. um, because their prefrontal cortex is completely messed up. They make horrible decisions at that mm-hmm. age um, because their brain is remapping itself on decision-making. And they're on social media and they're getting messages and and there are very manipulative people out there who know the right things to say to get kids to engage in behaviors they should not. So mm-hmm. um, you can't just go, oh, well, I don't have to worry about it till my kid is, you know, post-puberty. That's... Mm-hmm. Once they have social media, these conversations need to start happening. Yeah. My kids don't have social media because... I'm not going to do it. Not yet. Uh, my oldest is about to, he's in seventh grade and I'm about to start letting him have some stuff mm-hmm. with very strict rules. Snapchat? I, I th- nope. <laughs> uh, I think of it like driving, right? You first get your permit, then you get your license and then you get released into the wild. It's going to take longer than that. Cause I don't think we give people long enough driving, but you know, it's, I, I tell kids this too. This is, I'm going off on tangents. Uh, kids come in and they're like, I got my license coach. And I'm like, that's scary. And they're like, no, I'm a good driver. And I go, no, you're not. Yeah. And they're like, no, I am. I'm a good driver. And I go, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how do you know? And I go, okay. Uh, imagine if someone came into the gym today and they said, Hey, and these are, you know, older athletes and I coach level four and level six. So highly skilled kids, but you, this would even work for a level two kid, right? You go, okay. Imagine someone came in and they go, Hey, I want to be on your team. And you go, Oh, okay. Uh, have you cheered before? And they're like, yeah, I did three months of training with my parents and I took a class. (laughs) I took like a a class, a classroom class where I sat down and they, they showed us videos and we talked about cheerleading. Mm -hmm. And so I'm ready to be on your level four team. Yeah. I'm really good. You'd be like, no, you're not. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it takes time, it takes yeah. uh, repetition to learn and make mistakes. So anyways, total, total tangent. Um, another thing, this is not as much that something you have to talk about with parents, but if you're a gym owner, have a mentor or an accountability partner who is helping you make sure you implement these things. Because mm-hmm. there are so many owners with good intentions that because of all of the things that go into running a cheer gym, they just don't get around to these kinds mm-hmm. of changes because yeah. while we all care about the safety of our kids, we that's the last thing to implement because 
until something bad is happening, it's a very low uh, priority, yeah. right? It's the priority is, oh my gosh, this staff member's sick and I got to run a tumbling class or we mm-hmm. have to choreograph this team's pyramid or those are the things that get the attention because they're the fire right now. But when this, if this fire ever starts for you, you're not going to be able to control yeah. it. So um, I already mentioned it, but you have a written sexual and physical abuse policy. You should have a written policy about relationships with adults and former athletes from your gym. Mm-hmm. Like that's, this is one of those ones that in our industry is kind of wild, but the number of people that are married uh, or dating kids that they used to coach mm-hmm. is a little bit alarming. Mm-hmm. I find it odd. Yeah. So, um, and I think there's right. There's a, you can't be a total jerk about it. Um, cause certainly if someone, okay, yeah, I coached this person and then I ran into them eight years later mm-hmm. and we started talking and, and you got into a relationship. That's one thing. Right. Um, and I look back on when I started coaching, you and I both started coaching kind of around the same age. I was 19 years old and I was coaching a senior age team. I was two years older than some of the kids I coached. Yeah, for sure. So like later in life, that might be, it's also crazy that I even managed to do that without completely epically falling on my face. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, it still wouldn't have been appropriate to start dating someone like the year after they graduated, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, we've seen situations like that in our industry where it's like they are off the team and suddenly they're a couple. Ooh. Yep. I knew it. I knew, <laughs> I knew a, uh, a couple of coaches who've been dating for a long time. Oh, yeah, we've been dating for 10 years. Like 10 years. I did some quick math and I'm like, y'all shouldn't have been dating. Y'all should not have been dating for 10 years. Like, <laughs> yep. All right. Okay. Uh, you're both of age now, but 10 years ago, one of you was not of age. So, yeah. So we, we have a written policy about this. We've had it for years, um, pretty much since we ever owned the gym. Um, and <clears throat> it's, you need, just need a policy in place. Ours is that there needs to be a minimum of two years separation mm-hmm. um, from the program. And coaches are not allowed to date athletes, even if those athletes are an adult. Gotcha. Like, that's a hard no. The only exception we would make for that is if they were already dating and then mm-hmm. someone chose to be on like a, a international team. team or something yeah. like that. Um, that would be a little different. We wouldn't be like, break up but we probably would not have that person coaching that team anyways. Cause who wants to coach their significant other? Like, could you imagine trying to coach your wife? <laughs> I'm going to try. You would be in the doghouse every day. Yeah. Like she's point center jumps guys. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. She gets whatever she wants guys. Why Sorry. have you met my wife? Like, yeah. that's why. I don't want to sleep on the couch. For sure. Even though that couch behind you looks very comfortable. It is very comfortable. I don't don't spend too much time on it. It is a comfortable couch. uh, You have a written policy on travel and transportation. We've kind of already talked about that um, in terms of you're not 
Um, you're not driving kids places. Uh, you're I, the only way I'd ever drive athletes somewhere is if I had 10 athletes in a van, mm-hmm. right? Like that's different. I would do that at worlds, big giant van. And we drive the kids, you know, two things, but I'm not picking a kid up and bringing them to practice. I'm, it's not one-on-one. It's not even two-on-one. It's like half the team or more. <clears throat> and, so Dan, this is a true story. This is very true. This is why I'm coaching college. We're, um, we're wait- it's our choreographer's fault. We're waiting on our choreographer. He's late. It's not Brandon Matthews for people who know. Um, it was not Brandon Matthews, but we're waiting for a choreographer to show up. And and so I'm like, man, he's like 30 minutes late now. And so I don't want to just like stand there and do nothing. And so I'm like, all right, guys, let's start warming some skills up. And we start warming up baskets. And we're war- and this college level baskets, right? Right. And I don't know what basket we threw, but we threw some basket. Girl gets her teeth knocked out, right? Like, grill's all messed up. She's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. I'm the only coach there. Our other coach was, um, I'm not really sure where Tammy was, but Tammy was not there. So it's just me and the girls. And this girl's teeth are, you know, she's bloody and bruised. And she needs to go to the trainer immediately. And I'm thinking, and I said, here, you can take my car. I was like, I am not getting in a a car alone with you. And that's exactly where my Mm -hmm. mind went. I don't care how bloody you are. I'm not getting in a car alone with you by myself. So I remember, and she looked at me like, are you kidding me right now? And I can't remember how we solved the problem. But I just remember like my natural instinct was, yeah, yeah, I, I don't care what's going on. I am not getting alone in a, in a car with a female athlete of mine. Um, yep. There's, there's no reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I would, if it was Sorry, like Rachel. literally life or death, mm-hmm. I might do that, but otherwise I'm just not doing it. And, mm-hmm. and this goes even further in terms of travel policies, but you should have a policy in place, uh, in regard to travel that is, uh, focused on, what happens when you are at events, right? What are your policies around being in hotels and what is allowable, which should be essentially nothing, right? Like team meetings Mm -hmm. need to occur in public places. You're not ever going into athletes' rooms uh, without Mm -hmm. a parent present or another adult present. Like, And even then, that should be for like a very short period of time to maybe tape an ankle or Mm -hmm. check on a kid that's throwing up like limited circumstances that you would ever enter an athlete's room. Like you just need to have those policies in place. And this is not just for men. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I, I see and hear all the time is like, well, I'm a female. Mm -hmm. Okay. That doesn't mean that there can't be allegations. That doesn't mean that things can't, um, occur. And so, and vice versa. Oh, well, my coaches are all females, so I don't have to worry about anything. That's not, it's not true. Yeah. So you can't just rely on that to make sure that nothing bad happens. hundred percent party people. (laughs) No parties. Uh, (laughs) you provide ongoing education to athletes which we already have talked about a lot of that stuff. Um, If you are like a one person, a one man show gym or a one man coach gym, think about adding personnel to your roster that can come to the warmups and like 
be a part of the process. So you're not mm-hmm. the only adult. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do this because our entire staff goes to the warm up room. So like, mm-hmm. I don't want personnel. I have 10 people there already. Yeah. Um, annually review your athlete protection policies, which is just every year you need to go over that stuff. Um, and then our last one just for owners is that you're not coaching every class in your gym. Um, that is one of the biggest things we see is owners are so busy working in their gym that they're not able to enforce these rules and check on these things. Like you, you don't know what's going on when your entire focus is coaching. Mm -hmm. So we certainly encourage owners to not be the only ones doing that stuff. So that's our checklist. And it took us a little while to go through it. And so this may not have been as juicy of a conversation so we can get to some of the juicy fun stuff, uh, here. Uh, but so, yeah, well then let's, uh, should we go to what should gyms tell their parents? Yeah. So that was a really long, I went through a really long checklist that was mostly gym owners. I apologize for those of you not Very gym good. owners. But what you should be talking to your parents about is these are the the safety protocols we have in place. And, and real quick, just uh, now that you said this, for the parents that listen, especially I get a lot of most, not mo- yeah, probably most of my listeners are parents. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but for the parents that listen, you know, if you have a gym owner, you know, send this episode over to them, you know, and just, you know, don't do it in a harsh way and go, hey. But hey, I thought you might find this episode interesting about protecting the athletes in the gym about policies. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So what they should be communicating to parents and what all of us should be striving to communicate to parents is a lot of the stuff we talked about was like parent education, parent communication. But we should also be communicating these are our safety protocols that we have in place. Like let your parents know we have, hey, we have security cameras. We have a you know, two parent or a two adult policy. We have a travel policy. We have all of these things in place, all of these layers of protection to protect your athletes. And then on Mm -hmm. top of that, you should be communicating to your parents that you are going to be chatting with their athletes because you should talk to your kids. I will tell you when this all came out, like the, the first day, the first lawsuit dropped and Mm -hmm. they did the big press conference. Um, I talked to both of my teams and I said, look, you, I, I want you to understand, like, I just, I think you already know, but some of you are new. So I want you to, I want to echo, you have the right to be in this gym and be safe from, from harm. Mm -hmm. Uh, no coach should ever be partying with you that no coach should ever be, um, touching you in a manner that makes you uncomfortable, um, inviting you to things that make you uncomfortable like you have the right to be free from physical and sexual abuse at all times and absolutely within this gym too Mm -hmm. and i am here for you i have an open door policy if you report something to me i will take it seriously i will support you and it will not be ignored um and telling your parents that too this we will not ignore these things um and I think it's just important to tell people what you're doing. And lastly, what you should be communicating is you should be talking a little bit about what happened, Mm -hmm. what protocols maybe weren't followed, 
and what are risk factors that they should also look out for for their kids outside of the gym? Because yeah. this is not an isolated incident in cheerleading. These kind of incidents happen in churches, in baseball, in swimming, in other sports, in schools. These are things that you should be aware of and looking for to make sure your kids are not victimized by mm -hmm. adults. Yeah. Those would be the main things I would cover. Um, we had also talked yesterday a little bit about talking to your parents about the the concerns that we all have of what's going to happen next in the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had, I've had coaches. In fact, one of my coaches last night literally turns to me and goes, so what do you think is going to happen? Like what's going to happen with USASF and varsity? They're getting sued like hard hat. How's the industry going to come out of this one? And if we're having those fears and concerns, it's very likely our parents are too. Mm -hmm. And so talking to them about that. And the answer is generally, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the answer of what the long term is. But at the moment, we're going to proceed, um, proceed as we have, whether that is if you work with Varsity and USASF. Uh, or you use IEPs, whatever it is that you do, you communicate those things to your families. You know, out here on the the West Coast, California may be a little bit different, but we don't have a ton of options. In the Pacific mm -hmm. Northwest, it is it is varsity dominated. Yeah. Um, that's those are our competitions. Um, so we communicate that to our parents. And my personal opinion, lawsuits take a really long time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I personally don't see varsity or USASF disappearing tomorrow. You know, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. Um, and so I 100% so, think this season will happen. Here's a question. Um, you know, we've seen lots of, lots of gym owners just say, you know, with all these things that have happened, we're done with USASF. We're done with varsity. I've mm -hmm. really seen any, event producers so well, i guess they can't they don't really have the option to do that oh i guess they have the option of leaving usasf i was gonna say varsity um i was thinking varsity in general mm -hmm. um but not us but they could leave usasf but i haven't seen any event producers leave usasf yet because of these things but i see lots of gyms saying that we're not gonna there attend their events um, so i guess the first question is what do you think we should expect from a governing a governing body as far as this is, you know, these types of for protection or allegation, what are your thoughts in general? Yeah. Um, that's a loaded question. Um, I, I think from a governing body, what we should expect is, um, uh, clear communication of reasonable and enforceable rules and expectations. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, some of the rules that initially came out, like with social media, I immediately read and I said, how are you going to enforce this? Mm -hmm. Like, how are, how are you as a, as a governing body gonna dictate, uh, and, and actually police what's going on on social media? Like they just mm -hmm. don't have the capabilities to do that. Um, now they can have a, a policy and an expectation of, you should not do this. And if it gets reported, 
these are the potential consequences. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we should, we should expect a reasonable, um, and athlete focused rules and expectations in place. Uh, and we should expect, um, clear and consistent and again, athlete focused enforcement of those rules and expectations. Um, generally speaking, uh, and I'm going to be, I'm a little bit in the minority here. The USASF should not be the clearinghouse for allegations of physical and sexual abuse. They should be notified, but they are not a police agency. They are not an investigative agency. An investigation into an allegation of physical or sexual abuse is incredibly difficult and incredibly complicated. And oftentimes it is very much a, um, they said, they said conversation where there may not be any evidence of what is being alleged law enforcement agencies are far more equipped to do those investigations than a cheerleading governing body. Mm-hmm. So for those kind of allegations, what really should be occurring is that should be reported to law enforcement. And if it comes to USASF, they can say this was reported to us. Mm-hmm. You need to do an investigation, but how are they supposed to do that? If it's everyone's anonymous. Yeah. Right. If someone submits a anonymous complaint with the exception of the coach or the owner or the person, Hey, I'm alleging that they did this thing, but no other details. You can't talk to the athlete. You can't talk to the witnesses. Nothing will happen. Like, so we also have to be willing to step up and give clear and consistent information. Um, but the last thing we should expect from them, and and I personally think they should be doing, is um, following, having a more robust enforcement of their suspensions and ineligibility. Mm-hmm. Because right now the suspensions and eligibility, which was kind of the problem that's being alleged at the moment with what happened with, um, well, I think we can say his name, it's pretty public, with Scott Foster, Mm-hmm. is he was suspended, but he was still coaching. Mm-hmm. He was still coaching a team and that team still competed. Um, he was still coaching multiple teams. He was still in his gym all the time. And there was no, there was no enforcement of like, look, if you have an, an employee coaching who is suspended for violation of athlete safety, if that person is coaching, then your gym is not eligible. Mm-hmm. Right. Like what that is, that's kind of the baffling part. How, like, all we were doing was making sure he couldn't go in the warm up room. Yeah. Like, that's where some of the confusion is from a lot of people. And, uh, again, it's hard to police because how are they going to know if he's at going to the gym? Mm-hmm. But that should be, in my opinion, that should be the rule. If you're suspended, that means you're done. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't get a coach. Um, especially if you're suspended for athlete protection, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's some wild stuff. So I think that's, that's really what we should expect. Um, and hopefully we, we, 
I know some people are a little frustrated with the USASF right now because they recently did, I think just the other day, they did kind of a a Zoom conference call, something like yeah. that. I don't know if you were on it. Um, I wasn't. I just, I just heard, I saw everyone complain about it on ASGA. Yeah. So I saw some complaints about it and a lot of like, well, they didn't, they didn't answer any of the questions about, you know, what's going on and what happened. They're not going to like, they're being sued. Anything they say publicly is now admissible. So mm-hmm. under advice of their attorney, they're not going to say anything about what happened. Yeah. Um, and you can like that or not like from a, from a, I'm a good person standpoint, I would want to answer all those questions if I was in those shoes, but I would also want to follow my attorney's advice as well. Yep. So, and, and the risk is that someone says something that they, that is taken out of context and attorneys are really good at that. So they have to be very cautious. What I do think they should have done a better job of was answering the questions of where do we go from here? These are the Mm -hmm. changes that you can expect to see coming because I wasn't on the call, but my understanding is they didn't really answer that. They didn't really Mm -hmm. say, these are the things that we're doing different to make things better. Yeah. Um, But I think they got way out over their skis. I, I talked to USASF. I was actually presenting at the USASF conference when all of the athlete protection stuff really started to be a focus. Mm-hmm. And they, they started their online reporting system. And I told them, I said, you're running some serious risk here. You like, you do not want to be the clearinghouse for allegations of child and physical, physical and sexual abuse. That is risky because you're not, you're not set up for it. Mm-hmm. You're just not, if you're going to do that, you need to have a team of like 15 to 20 people that that is their job. Yeah. To, to look into these allegations and you're not, you're not built for that. It is, it's just so complex and the police are much better suited to do those investigations. So they should be investigating the coaches recruiting or coach sent message, like maybe violation of social media policy where you have mm-hmm. screenshots and stuff. Those are things that they should vet, but anything regarding physical and sexual abuse, they should have a policy in place, right? Allegation of physical sexual abuse uh, comes in. That coach is notified that there is a credible allegation that's being referred to law enforcement and they are currently temporarily ineligible mm-hmm. um, pending the results of the investigation. It's yeah. really simple. Like it's it's not overly complicated and that should be almost an immediate action. And when you and say then, ineligible, you mean, you mean they shouldn't be coaching in the gym for that duration of time? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I mean, it's... I get that it would suck if it was a false allegation. Mm-hmm. Like I totally get that, that perspective. Um, but if our goal is to protect athletes and that's our number one goal, then that should be our action. Now that temporarily ineligibility could be very short lived. If it gets reported to law enforcement and USASF reports it and USASF says, or the law enforcement says, we don't have a, a victim name. Uh, we don't have enough information. We're going to you know, clear this as information only. Then the report has been made. Law enforcement said there's nothing that they can investigate. And then the coach can be mm-hmm. reinstated pending further information. Yeah. But like the USASF is not built to 
no cheer gym. E- even you as a gym, you're not built to investigate these things. Mm-hmm. I'm a police officer. If an allegation was made about one of my staff, they would be immediately suspended with pay and I would refer it to law enforcement. Yeah. Not me. Cause that's, that's not my job. And I'm, I'm biased. Yeah. Whether I like it or not, I'm biased. I'm either biased to the coach or I'm biased to the kid or I'm biased both ways. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be, you want an unbiased impartial party to come in and investigate this. Yep. So there we go. So here's the next thing. Um, USASF people, lots of, lots of coaches owners saying we're no longer going to do USASF varsity events because we think that this system has failed us. Mm-hmm. And they're hopping on, you know, WASF. And we just had Les on the show. His show mm-hmm. actually just released, so it'll probably be two weeks from now when you guys are listening to this. Um, but, you know, people want to go and say, hey, we're going to go the, the WASF route, and this is going to be what we're going to do. Do you think, again, and I think I think if, if someone has a chance to make this happen, it is with Les Stella behind it. But sure. do you think that they are equipped right now to take on – to deal with these things better right now, right today than the USASF is as far as allegations that come in. Uh, I don't know their systems, but I would just venture to say no. Yeah. Um, I, I know very little about their, their program. I've done a little bit of research, but I just, they're new, right? And they're, they're just getting started and it takes time to build up that infrastructure and get those things in place. So uh, I, I don't think they are. And I mentioned this on an episode that I recently did, but at the end of the day, the it's not the governing body's job um, to protect the athletes. It's our job as owners. Mm-hmm. Like the governing body has a role, but we have a much more important role in that factor. And, um, and, and it's us as owners and us as an industry as a whole but if we're if we're waiting for Big Brother, the WASF, the USASF, whatever, to be the person to make that that change, we're gonna just keep waiting. Yeah, because um, if this was a simple solution, there wouldn't be child physical and sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Like I was investigating on average twelve to twenty five. Uh, allegations a year yeah um working in the schools and not all of them were ended up being valid um but numerous and realistically this is a little bit of a tangent but the biggest risk for kids coaches are a risk right they're in, kind of in their inner circle coaches teachers um pastors anyone who has direct access but the vast majority of investigations I did were into like immediate family members, mm-hmm. um, people who had immediate access to to the kids. So um, that is why coaches are a risk factor because they do have immediate access. But I didn't investigate a lot of coaches and teachers. I investigated a lot of um, a lot of probably. 25% kind of stranger met on social media mm-hmm. and then the rest were uncles, cousins, uh, step parents, those kind of things. So, yeah. um, 
there are other things to be aware of. Obviously we're talking about our industry as a whole, but like the, the biggest intervention that we need to be making is at the, like that immediate level of, cause what, what's the USASF going to do? They're react, they have policies in place, but if we're not enforcing those policies or the WASF, if we're not enforcing those policies, if we're not staying engaged in protecting our athletes, then we're getting mad at them for things happening, but they're reactive at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Was, was Amy Clark at, Rockstar every day, seeing what was going on. Yeah. Right. They're, they're the higher level entity. That would be like, you know, as a police officer, that was one of the most frustrating things. I couldn't ever stop these things from happening the first time I could stop them from happening again, which is kind of where the, the frustration is that that could have been changed. But we at the immediate level of being the coaches and the owners who are, you know, working with these kids daily, it's our job to protect them yeah. and prevent this from happening so they don't have to investigate these allegations. I don't know. That was kind of a long rambling answer. No, you're, you're the man. People want to hear you talk. So people, <laughs> um, I get a, I get a, um, an athlete comes up to me, coach, um, X, Y, and Z. This has happened to me you know, touch inappropriately, whatever happened. So, you know, a, a kid comes to me with an allegation. What do I then do as a gym owner, as a coach? Um, so my responses are basic, basically this. First and foremost, I want to thank you for trusting me to bring this information to me. And I, uh, I, I thank you for that. And I am going to take that trust very seriously Uh, and because you're telling me this, I want to make sure that you are safe moving forward. Uh, and so these are the steps that we need to take to ensure your safety. So if you're talking about, I was touched inappropriately, um, I need to, I'm going to have to let the police know. Um, and depending on who was, who was doing said touching, uh, I'm going to need to get your parents involved. And I know that that can be really scary, but I'll be here with you, um, to, to talk with them. And, uh, I just want you to understand that I, I'm so glad that you've, I'm so thankful that you've told me. Um, and my number one focus is on keeping you safe from this moment forward. And we're going to, I'm going to be with you as much as I can through this process. Um, to make sure that you're safe and everyone else is safe. Kind of leave it at that. You don't want to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, not a lot of, well, where did it happen? How did they touch you? Where did they touch you? That is not your job. Yeah. Um, and it is, um, it's a very complex dealing with these kind of things is very, very complex. Um, and conducting, child interviews is very complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to be very cautious in what we, what we prime them with. Um, one of the reasons we don't want to ask a lot of questions is if you ask a ton of questions and you kind of, what kids are, uh, oftentimes will do is they will give the answer they think you want to hear, mm-hmm. or they'll 
embellish things a little bit to because they think that's what you're wanting them to do. Yeah. They're trying to kind of sell their story. And what that can do is you then tell the police that, and then the police note that in their report. And then the kiddo goes to a forensic interviewer and doesn't say things that way or changes the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now that leaves an opening of an inconsistency yep. in reporting. And yep. that opens things up for a skilled attorney to say, this kid made it all up. They made yeah. it all up to impress their coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to go on a huge story tangent, but I had this happen. That exact thing happened to me as a police officer. I had an athlete that um, I met as a school resource officer. Great kiddo. She ended up cheering at our gym for one year. Um, in that year, I ran into her. We were at a competition and I ran into her down in the lobby and she was talking to a former athlete who was an adult, like mm-hmm. 20 years old. And I walked right up to them and I said, this is not okay. You're way too young. You're way too old. This is a hard no. Mm-hmm. Do not. And I literally looked him in the eyes and I said, if you do this, I, you will get arrested. Yeah. Well, they didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she eventually reported it to me about two years later. Went all the way to trial. Mm-hmm. He was acquitted because the attorney made the argument of she wanted to, she wanted to make her coach happy. So she made this all up because she knew that he didn't like him and yada, 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 yada. And the jury bought it. Crazy. I disagree. I don't think she made anything up. Um, And, you know, here, here we were, got acquitted and she's looking at me going, what happened? Why didn't they believe me? It was, it was my fault. And where I erred as a, as a police officer is as soon as she said, yes, something happened, I should have said hard stop. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you any more questions. We're going to, I'm going to hand this off to somebody else. Yeah. So that was my fault, right? I messed that one up. Um, I opened the door for that and we can very easily put ourselves in the same situation. You also don't, don't want to hear those details. It's, it's traumatizing to have one of your kids talk about that stuff with you. So an athlete comes up to me. Do I immediately go to law enforcement or to the parents first? I know they're probably back to back, but which one would you say first? It depends who the allegation is against. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say it's a not. I'll ask you later about a and a coach at the gym, but let's say it's not a coach at the gym. Just, um, you know. I would go to law enforcement first, mm-hmm. especially if they don't tell you who it was. Yeah. Um, going to the parents has some risk in that it could be the parent. Mm-hmm. I know this is that's a really hard thing to hear. Um, I've investigated those crimes. Even a biological parent, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't necessarily want to get them involved. Additionally, um, I've had situations where um, it was maybe a, a biological brother or a stepbrother, mm-hmm. and the parents get involved and they completely mm-hmm. can tank that investigation because they want to protect yeah. the other kid who mm-hmm. they know is going to get arrested and charged with serious crimes. So 
if it's not, well, either way, law enforcement is probably your first notification. Mm -hmm. um, And then parents second. Um, Unless it's like, if it's a stranger thing, like I was walking to the gym and someone came up and touched me inappropriately. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like a simultaneous notification. Yeah. Hey, you call the police and let them know we had something happen. I'm going to call the parents. Yep. You know, like you can do that, but you you want to be cautious on notifying yep. parents. Okay. And now a a parent comes up to me, right? Parent, maybe the daughter's there too, son. And they go, hey, one of your coaches did X, Y, Z. You know, my daughter just told me one of your coaches did X, Y, Z. So what's our next step? Um, so, it, uh, obviously kind of depends on what the allegation is. Uh, if it's an allegation of, uh, coach pushed them, mm-hmm. I think you're, you're good to look into that. Right. And mm-hmm. ask some questions and say, okay, well, well, tell me what happened. Tell me about that. Um, and kind of look into it cause it might not even elevate to the level of being criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's, if it's sexual in nature, uh, that is a, a hard stop. Basically what I just said, hey, thank you for telling me that. Um, we, because of that allegation, we need to report this to the police. We're not equipped to investigate this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some people will say, well, I don't want them to get arrested. That's not what we're looking for. That's okay. You can determine, like, that's for something you to work out with the police, but we're not an investigative agency. That's mm-hmm. not what we do. That's not what we're trained in. We need to defer this to to the police. They have better resources for it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, you can... Deferring to police is, like, it's the ultimate passing off of the mm-hmm. responsibility. Yeah. And, and liability. You've done everything right at that point. You also do need to make a report to your child protective services, DHS, in any of these circumstances, you should be cross reporting to child protective services, DHS, and letting them know of that allegation. Mm-hmm. <coughs> law, law enforcement can do it as well, <clears throat> but it's just better to, uh, for mandatory reporter's sake to cover your bases by cross reporting. And real quick. So if that happens, um, parent comes up to you, Hey, this, uh, one of your coaches, something sexual in nature with my, uh, my child, my athlete, is that when you would immediately suspend the coach until further information comes out? Yep. Okay. As much as it sucks. Yes. Yeah. Because if you don't and you go, well, there's an allegation, but we don't know. So we're going to let them keep coaching Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then, uh, come to find out it was credible. And in that time after, you know, to when you find out it's credible, they do something else. Mm-hmm. You are a hundred percent liable for that. Yeah. In my opinion. And I, I think it would stand up in court because you had information and you didn't act on it. So yeah, your best bet is to suspend them. And that's why we do suspended with pay. Mm hmm. To yeah. be considerate of the fact that, okay, if it comes out that it was not accurate or it was embellished. Now, where we really get into the kind of the muddy water is people go, okay, well, what if it's a third party? Mm-hmm. What if it's not parent and it's not kids saying this happened? What if it's Sarah who heard it from Susie that 
Stephanie was mm-hmm. over at Coach's house and they did something bad. Yeah. So n- now, okay, that's a lot. That's rumor mill at that point. Mm-hmm. It can get a little bit more complicated there. Um, there are a couple ways to go about that. Um, one would be to just report it to law enforcement. Hey, we have this allegation and then let law enforcement go through the chain. Uh, your other option is to go, you go down that chain and you go to Susie, uh, or I can't remember which, which order I went in of the S names, but you go to the number two person and you say, uh, I've heard that you told someone, uh, some information about this person and their coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, nope. I don't know what you're talking about. Are you sure? Like, you're not going to get in trouble. You can tell me, um, see what they say and then go to potential victim athlete and maybe mm-hmm. the parent, like get the parent involved and say, Hey, this, I, I've heard a rumor of this. Um, is there any, anything I need to know? Yeah. And give them the opportunity to report. Um, and if they report something, then we launch into our, our, procedure we already mentioned if they say no that's complete nonsense that never happened i don't know what you're talking about then you know you document it you have a meeting with the coach hey these are some things that came out i want to stress that you're on like if this was happening these are the things that would occur mm-hmm. and if i get any credible information these are the things that will occur yep like but uh Obviously, we can't just fire people before rumor and innuendo because we all know how that stuff yeah, yeah, works, especially sure. in this industry. There we go. All right. Um, I don't even know what, you what else we go need to talk about. Well, I don't know, but you're getting close to your uh, your leaving oh, time. Oh, yeah, I am. Dude, we've been on here for a minute. A minute. Yes, <laughs> a minute. We have um, been on here for a minute. I don't. I don't know if there's anything else we need to talk about. Uh, in regard to this, I've, one of these days we have to get on and talk about not just athlete safety, although yeah, it's my right? specialty. Yeah. Um, it's not. We'll the talk most about some actual cheerleading. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah, some actual right? cheerleading one of these days. Um, um, the the biggest thing is we all have to work together to protect our athletes. Like parents have to be engaged, owners have to be engaged, coaches have to be engaged, and we have to be engaged over time. We can't just mm-hmm. go okay. We were good for one year. Mm-hmm. No, it, it takes ongoing supervision, ongoing effort, ongoing care and consideration to ensure athlete safety. And the last 100%. thing I would say is if you're not a parent and you're an owner or a coach or someone in the industry, as I mentioned in my other episode, we have to do better. Yeah. Like you and I came up in the era where we talked about it the other day and we don't need to go into great detail, but an era where it was the wild, wild West, like mm-hmm. cheer was basically a frat party. Yeah. Um, and I think it's gradually gotten better over the years, but there's still a lot of that kind of underlying culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got to do better and we can't, we can't continue to excuse bad behavior because people are great choreographers or great coaches um, in terms of getting skills. Um, we have to we have to elevate the people in our industry who are people of good character. Yeah. So that's I'll, that's where I'll we need to go. Quick. Um, before we hop off, 
there was an episode, the episode that you and I did together. I will link that on my side. I'll link that below because that was really good. And that if you're a parent, that's an episode that you 100% want to listen to. We brought Dan on to our Facebook group and he talked to parents about how to protect their athletes, basically. So if you're a parent and you want to know how to better protect your athletes from just the dangers of social media, that's an episode you want to listen to. And then I'll also link below Dan's episode that he released um, a week ago, maybe two, three weeks ago by the time you listen to this about um it basically your initial reaction after all this news came out and so i thought that mm-hmm. was really really good that i thought that was really really good so that's a quick Thank listen you. 15 you know 20 minutes or yeah, so yeah it's a quick one so um you know those will both be in the show notes and dude dan as always thanks for coming on next time we'll actually talk some cheerleading i promise thanks for having me it was uh it was my pleasure i really enjoyed it hey thanks for having me i just thought you know <laughs> Thanks for having me. (laughs) All right, brother. All right, man. Hey. Talk soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.